Well, happy 2020, everybody. Merry, Merry New Year's. No, that's, that's combining two. We, we went through two. They're all blurred together now. New Year's and, and Christmas. Anyway, uh, here, we, here we begin a, a brand new year. How many still do resolutions? You, you say, oh, man, resolutions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, resolutions are those things that, you know, the promises you keep. Usually it, it tends to be around healthy things. You know, I'm going to stop eating bad things, start eating more healthy, and, and do some physical activities. A lot of resolutions are built around that. But there's other things I've heard resolutions. I've stopped a long time ago. And the reason is, is because promises, right? Promises are easy to speak. I can make promises all day long. They're not so easy to keep. Matter of fact, they are easy to break. Uh, how many have been offended or hurt because uh, people haven't gone through with their promises? Politicians, right? <laughs> So we make those promises, then we get elected, and then there's excuses. We not get the fulfillment of promises. But there's, there's a lot of us here. I, I think all of us have been affected one way or another through promises that have been made to us, and then they're broken. Or uh, it's quite possible that, that all of us, even, probably even a majority of us, have made promises and have not kept those. And I would raise my hand to that. I made those promises sometimes ignorantly. Or, or, you know, just incapable of fulfilling or circumstances change. But promises are that way. And, and here's the truth about our God. He keeps his promises. You could count on the promises that God lays out. Uh, the series that, that we're about to enter here in just the next few weeks is called Cross My Heart. Are you familiar with that phrase? Cross my heart and hope to die. How many ever use that term? Usually it's when you're younger. How many of you use it today? Adults, go ahead. No, okay, okay. Very t- man, even as a young kid, I remember across my heart and hope to die. I said, that's pretty serious. But, but people will say that because we want to be trusted. We want, to, we want you to be confident that I'll keep my promise. And, and, and the one who is capable of keeping promises when we hear those promises spoken is, is definitely God. The reason we're calling it Cross My Heart is for this reason. We're, we're going to look at the promises that God laid out in the Old Testament. Uh, predominantly, like I say, a majority of the time we are venturing through the New Testament. But, and I'm, I'm one who, who tells you often how valuable the Old Testament is. It is significant. It is a wonderful work that precedes the New Testament, and they are so connected. Matter of fact, the promises that are laid out in the Old Testament uh, affect us today. They make a difference in our lives today. So as we go through those, I really want to bring that out. The promises that God made so long ago have definitely affected our lives and our everyday, and we'll definitely see that today. The first promise that I would like, of course, to look in is connected to that worldwide flood in the time of Noah. So the passages we're looking at, or actually the passage we're looking at, and I'll be reading here just a second, is out of Genesis chapter 6. This involves Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, the whole story. So I encourage you to read it. I'm going to read the beginning part uh, of this uh, in chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 through 8. And then the rest, I'm going to narrate just uh, what happens. Well, I think most of us are familiar with that story, 
but, but I'll, I'll lay it out uh, and, and, and remind us uh, some of those details, and then, then we're going we're gonna to see the significance of the promise that, that God made later on. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Let me, let me let you know before I read this passage, at this time, the world is about 1,600 years old. From the time of creation, 1,600 years. Life, you know, the, uh, humanity is growing, it is reproducing, the world is being filled. And uh, I, man, I even had the idea, I would have loved to have been there prior to the, uh, the flood, this flood taking place. I would have loved to have seen. I can't imagine. Uh, I, I love creation the way it is now. I love to go places, love to see mountains, love to see the ocean, love to see you guys were just in Colorado and, and, and saw the, the Rockies. and how, how beautiful, right? Magnificent uh, of the things that, that you see. And, and uh, uh, to think about what the world would have looked like then. You know, there was no highways at that time. <laughs> I, and, and even to think about animals, I, I do believe that, that dinosaurs were still roaming the earth at that time. And to be able to see, you know, the creatures God has created and, and creation is about as beautiful as, as ever. And, uh, uh, but this, it wasn't so beautiful to God. And that's what we're about to read. Beginning verse 5, it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Ah. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and all creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But we know that's not the end of the story. There's, there's that word but that starts in verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The next phrase that's laid out in verse 9 is this. This is the account of Noah. This is how the story is told. is from that perspective of Noah. Because Noah found grace or found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Scripture goes on to say that Noah found favor because he was a man of righteousness. He was a man who walked after God. That's the description in verse 9. That doesn't mean he was sinless. But it means that, that uh, God had Noah's attention. And, he, and, and Noah gave him God's attention. And, uh, and, and so, uh, in, in his walk, he, he was very much in, in tune to God. He was believing in God, and he was, I would say, even maybe to that extent that we pursue God, that's what Noah was doing. His righteousness was seen in his faithfulness. Now, uh, Noah was a man, because of that faithfulness, that God could give him directions, and Noah would follow, and that's what happened. God came and presented to Noah this, this message. He said, hey, this wickedness in this world has increased so much. And I've decided to wipe it, wipe it out. Everything that has, breath, uh, has the breath of life in it, I'm, I'm going to remove. I'm going to bring a flood. I'm going to bring a flood. And, and therefore, Noah, I want you to build a boat. 
not just a boat, it's a rather massive boat. He said it's going to be 450 feet long. It's going to be 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. You're going to put a place a door in it. You're going to have three floors or three decks in it. Hey, so he gave them specifics about it. And so uh, Noah went about uh, building this ark on behalf of God. It took a while. Uh, in, in that time, God had a covenant with Noah. It was a covenant, uh, a promise that he was going to save his family. He was going to save Noah and his wife, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. They were going to be saved through this flood uh, in, in building this ark, as well as a boatload of animals. Uh, they were all going to be rescued. After the ark was completed, they entered the ark. God instructed them to enter. They entered the ark, brought all the animals into the ark, and, and for seven days, they waited. And, and after seven days, it began to rain. Uh, that's kind of an understatement. We, we know what rain is. But I, I think the way the description is in Scripture, it said that the floodgates of heaven were open. And I think it was a downpour. And not only was there a downpour, it said that the uh, springs from the depths of the earth burst forth. That means you were getting water both ways. From the heavens and all the water that was under the ground came came forward as well. And they were safe in the ark while all the, the life around them was being taken through this flood. Forty days and forty nights it rained. And the end of chapter six, uh, it, it's, excuse me, seven, it says that for 150 days the world was flooded. And again, everything that had breath died. The waters began to recede after that time and the ark came to rest upon Mount Ararat. It was days and weeks and even months that they sat, continued to sit in, in that ark, awaiting for the waters to continue to recede and, and the earth to dry out. Noah uh, went into the story that Noah released, a, uh, first of all, a raven, and the raven just flew about and then returned. The next thing, you know, uh, uh, some time went on, and, and again, he released a dove this time. And the dove did the same thing. It flew around, didn't find a, a place to rest, and returned to Noah. He waited seven more days and released that same dove. And, and the dove went out and he flew around. And this time when he returned, he had an olive leaf in his beak. And so he waited seven more days and he released the same dove. This time the dove did not return. It was shortly after that that God gave them instructions to come out of the ark. So all the animals, all of Noah and his, Noah and his family uh, de departed from the, the ark. And Noah, the, the next part of the story is Noah built an altar and offered burnt offerings before God. Um, it doesn't say exactly why, but I'm sure it was because of praise. Could you imagine being in an ark with all those animals for so many days? But thinking, it had to be on his mind the destructive flood and all those that he knew that had perished. So it was praise in God's mercy and grace through the fact that he was saved uh, through the building of this ark. And, and so he gave God praise. God's response is in chapter 8, verse 21. Let me read that for you. It says, it says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man. Did you hear that? 
Never again will I curse the man, uh, curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. If you go on to read chapter 9, he lays out that promise once again, speaking it to Noah, and, and then also includes that here's the sign. You know, are you familiar with the sign? It's that rainbow that we see. It's that rainbow we see after it rains. You know, it, it, it is a reminder both to God and to us that God is not going to destroy this world in that way ever again because of our wickedness. And, and he's kept that promise. He's kept that promise. Now, there are some ongoing truths that are laid out uh, that I believe we, we live today. And, and, and that's valuable for us as, as those who, who want to be honoring of God and pursuing of God. And, and here's one of those truths. First of all, and, and this is just a, an ongoing truth, that we stand on the edge of destruction. Or let me put it this way, that humanity, we, stand on the edge of destruction. You know how close we are to, to the, the wrath of God. He is a holy and righteous God. And the truth is, as we look in this story, God's pretty angry about sin, right? When, when we look at Noah and we think, let's see, what did the Scripture say? The Scripture said in the NIV that, that his heart was filled with pain because of man's wickedness, because of their sinfulness. It also said in verse 7 that that. Basically, he regretted the creation of humanity because of their sinfulness. He hated sin. And to tell you honestly, God has not changed that perspective in the fact that we continue to exist today. The, the truth is, he hates sin. Now, it's easy to say, like, like a promise is easy to make, and it's easy to speak about how God hates sin. Does that affect us? Does that move us in the way we live, that our God, the God we pursue, the God we love, that he hates and despises sinfulness? Paul, a uh, matter of fact, the, the phrase goes like this, every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time, and that's why God grieved, and that's why he, he brought this flood. Paul calls that today our sinful nature. In, in, in the scriptures where Paul writes his letters, he identifies that, that what we have living within us is a sinful nature. It's that ongoing nature of sinfulness in us. And, and here's a fact. I, I didn't even think about this my, myself, but it makes sense now. That through the flood, he preserved human life and all the lives of those animals, but he also preserved our sinfulness. Because though he saved humanity, he did not in any way remove the sinfulness. He, he couldn't do that through the flood. I, and I remember thinking this years ago when I would read this as a young, young boy. Read, read the account of the flood. I was always so amazed at, at the verses shortly after. You know, here, Noah gave praise to God. But then if you keep reading, there's drunkenness and nakedness that follows in Noah and his family. Right? Sinfulness continues. How significant is that promise of God? I will never, I will never flood this world and, and destroy life in this way again. I will never do that again. Think about it. If God did not make the promise, 
what changes? Think about it for a moment. What changes? Would things be different if God never made that promise? And here's my thought. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> I think about the world. Think about the ugliness of sin throughout. Uh, you've studied history. At what point of time do you think God would say, that's enough, again, and say, let's wipe them out? Oh, if you continue reading through the Scriptures, you'll see enough times where God revealed his anger, and, and there's other places, Sodom and Gomorrah, and some other places where God revealed his judgment, but no flood and no absolute destruction. How often? God, in his promise, has revealed his mercy and his patience. Did you wake up this morning and say, man, God, I praise you for another day? Did you do that? You're here because you want to say, God, thank you for another day. Thank you for this past week. Hey, I made it to 2020. Are you kidding me? I don't deserve that. I, yeah, I really don't because of sin. I say I'm familiar with that nature of sin that works. In, and, and, that's, and, and if we're not familiar with that, then, then we don't know the value of Jesus. We need to understand that sinfulness, that what God hates. And, and, and the fact that, that I said to begin with that we stand on the edge of destruction is because Jesus has made it very clear that his judgment is yet to come. You see, the, the people during the day, matter of fact, Jesus uses this story of the flood to tell about the circumstances that yet is laying ahead for humanity, and it's that judgment. And in Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 39, here's what, here's what Jesus said out of his own mouth. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the, fl until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. The coming of the Son of Man. Here's, here's what we understand about that. Jesus is coming again. He's already come. I think we're living in that age of the coming of the Son of Man. He came. He died. He continues to live. He's going to return. Upon his return, there is that certain judgment that we all face where we give an accounting for that very sinfulness in our lives. We stand before God. We stand before God. And humanity is on the edge of destruction. I mean, we're going about life. We did it. We celebrated Christmas, celebrated New Year's. We expected to. But, but just as Jesus said, I mean, life is just going to be going on, and then he's going to come. I, I don't know. I even I tell you honestly, I was thinking about this. I said, God, give me the opportunity to preach this sermon this coming Sunday. Give me the opportunity. Because I thought, you know, it's possible he could come prior to. And amen to that, right? Amen. If you're ready, amen to that. But it, it's possible Jesus could have came before and I might not have had this opportunity. Hey, another week and, and we'll meet again, Lord willing. But the, the truth is we're on the edge of that decision when Jesus is going to come. And, and, and if we're not ready, it is to destruction that we fall. And, and actually destruction we all deserve. And that's the truth. But here's, here's the second truth. God 
provides rescue. Isn't that our God? Our our God is a Savior identified in Old Testament, not just New Testament. He's a Savior. He provided or he, he chose a righteous man, one who was listening, one who was paying attention, one who was following after him. And he chose him and he said, hey, build a boat. Build this ark. Follow these instructions. Take your family. Gather these animals. And, and Noah faithfully followed the instructions. And he and his family were saved through the great flood. Today, this is the day of the Lord. Salvation is made available to us. I, again, the New Testament comes along and refers back to that day when Noah uh, had to provide salvation through that ark for his family. 1 Peter chapter 3, 20 through 22. In 1 Peter, uh, Peter a couple of times refers to the, Noah and the ark. 1 Peter 3, 20 through 22. Uh, there in the midst of 20 it begins, it says, In the ark, in it, it says, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. Here, here's, listen clearly. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Bill. Checks in the mail. We look, he, he's referring to the flood waters, you know, and, and, and it was the ark, and it was God's instruction, it was through God's mercy that, that Noah and his family was saved. And now Peter uses that very imagery to say, now it's through that waters of baptism, which he makes it clear. He said, hey, it's not about the removal of dirt, but it is in uniting in that relationship with Jesus. It's uniting in that relationship with him as our Savior. Everything that he did upon the cross was not, not to, to, to provide an ark or anything like that, but it was to deal with that nature of sinfulness that exists here. He deals with the nature of sinfulness, and he begins with forgiveness. He begins with forgiveness, and that forgiveness comes because Jesus paid our price Christ, once for all, defeats sinfulness. He breaks the bonds of sinfulness that holds us, that that we can't get away from. He breaks the bonds of sinfulness and the penalty uh, of, of death through his crucifixion. And through his resurrection, he gives us the victory. He promises us that resurrection. Through, you know, we deserve the death. Let's all face it. Our sinfulness, we deserve the flood, we deserve the coming judgment. We deserve that condemnation. I don't deserve another day, do you? Because of our sinfulness? But he sent Jesus. Isn't that glorious? He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to live on our behalf. Oh man, you're here for a reason. You're not here because it occupies a Sunday morning. You're here because God is worth worshiping and giving praise to. Because he sent Jesus. And he died upon the cross that we are, are not, you know, we're, we're standing on the edge. Instead, we are waiting and anticipating the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because eternity begins in that day. 
oh, no more pains and hurts and, and tears and, and sorrow, no more death, all that stops. The final lesson I, I think is very important for us to hear and understand where we are today is that we must step into God's salvation. It's, it's simply, boy, there was action that needed to take place. God directed Noah, and Noah obeyed, faithfully obeyed, uh, created exactly what God instructed him. Over years it took to do that and, and, and followed his instructions because he was what? Faithful, and he was righteous, and he followed after God. And, and that's the position that we take. Isn't that right? we're gathered together as believers in Jesus. We're gathered together as believers in Jesus. And the way that we make that connection is we too have to move forward faithfully. And it really is simple. We don't have to build a boat. Yay, because I would be bad at it. We don't have to build a boat. But that salvation was created through Jesus and his death upon the cross, meaning he took my penalty for that nature of sin that exists in me that has me chained down. And I'm released from that. Isn't that good? That's what we received. That's why we're here to worship. That's why we're here to celebrate. And, and, and if we've not, you know, if, if there are some of you here who have never received Jesus as your Savior, that's the encouragement. Man, it requires faith to believe in Jesus as that Savior and then to follow after what God's own direction. It requires repentance of the sinfulness that he so hates in us, in you. It requires repentance and a forgiveness. And, and we have that beginnings in Christ, baptisms, uh, part of that of, of recognizing that Jesus' death as our own and a resurrection to come into new life. That's just the beginnings. Now it is to pursue a life that, that is learning to live the righteousness we've been given. Guys, Tuesday morning, say amen. amen. Learning to live the holiness God wants us to be immersed in. To, to begin to resemble him and reflect him in this life. That's who we are. Isn't it? That's who we are. We are reflections of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, that truth, that promise so long ago still stands today. You know, God has been faithful. We have not been destroyed you know, by a worldwide cataclysmic... I can't even say it. I shouldn't have gone there. Can't <laughs> I'm dry mouthed, I can't get it out. But you know what I mean, you know. World-destroying flood. Oh, praise God that he is a faithful God. Man, he's made promises, and the promises we have in Jesus. The The promise I have in Jesus is that because he is my Savior on that day, I stand in judgment before him instead of condemnation. It's well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that our story? He's God's worthy of worship and praise. There's the song that I was remembering this morning as I was wrapping up, and I'm going to wrap it up. It's I Surrender All. All to Jesus I surrender all. To Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. If you're in Jesus, that's our life. Isn't that right? Amen. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you over and over again. Lord, our meeting together has everything to do about Jesus. Our time at the table has everything to do about Jesus. Our songs has everything to do about the salvation you've provided us in Jesus. And to you, God, be the glory. We pray, Father, this morning for hearts and, and for lives to embrace it. Lord, sometimes there's, there's those of us who, who, who have received that and yet continue in our sinfulness. And we need to be brought to repentance. Father, there's some of us this morning who have never made that decision for Jesus. And we pray, Lord, if there's questions or things, that that is exactly what we need to pursue. Help us, Lord, to, to, to find the Scriptures, to see it. Lord, may your Spirit move upon hearts and move people's, people to, to respond. God, we thank you in this new year, this first Sunday, for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite the team to come on forward. Here's the invitation. I said it. You know, how do we live today knowing that our God hates sin? You know, the, the fact that, that we've received Jesus, it means that in our lives we continue to look. Matter of fact, I think about that resolution thing. It's not very significant to me anymore because I live in Jesus. There's a continuous change going on. Isn't that right? Uh, hey, it's not once a year. It's all the time. Yeah, the psalm says about David, he said, man, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Help reveal it. Help me to know so I can understand the things that I need to change. That's the honest prayer that we ought to be praying. So God, maybe our prayer this morning as a congregation, for those who are following after Jesus, God, continue to examine me and direct me in, the direction, in, in that path I need to go. Also, uh, maybe it's that time of repentance if you're a believer and, man, you Jesus and, man, it's just life as usual, that's not what he called us to. There's a life and a direction that follows in Christ. It's putting away the things of sinfulness and pursuing the things of righteousness. Doing away with the things that are unholy because our God is holy. Amen? Rejoice in the fact that our God is holy. That's why we could trust him. That's why we put our confidence in him. It could be that you've never received Jesus as your Savior. And if you have not, today's a great day to, to begin. And, and just say, today is the day I want to I start that walk with Jesus Christ. I encourage you to come. Let's all stand as Eric and his team leads us in this invitation.